the top players and legends to the very best analysts around the world from wherever the beautiful game is played. This is BTP. Now, we're talking football. Yes, hello folks, welcome to another Football CFB BTP co-production. I'm joined here, of course, my regular co-host and another partner, another number of the BTP team, the fantastic Juan Arango. We are here to do a special show for you today where we're going to look at the top 10 prospects in South America. Uh, we'll, we'll take a look at them, we'll take a look at where they could end up. Juan's going to give us all the background on them, so let me welcome him to the show. Juan, how you doing, Matt? What's up? How's everybody doing? Everything? I hope everything's good on this Friday, at least... Um... Technically, everything's good. Mentally, everything's good. Well, you know, it's just still hot as hell around here. Anyway. <laughs> Mentally, everything's good. That's a good sign. I wish I could say this. Yeah. Um, yeah. Callum, how are you? You're in Not Scotland? Not bad. And I'm in Scotland, but I feel as if I'm in California. I feel like mm-hmm. I've gate-crashed you. Well, I've got one in Miami. I've got one in Scotland and one in LA. We will start in South America, where we're going to ask you 10 down to 1. Who are the top 10 young prospects in South America and where they okay. end up and all that stuff? Let me start at num- coming in at number 10. Who is the 10th best prospect in South America? Uh, I'm going to go a little bit different compared to what many have been going recently and, and talking about. Um, there's a young man over in Uruguay, and, and I, I have to stand this out. He, he doesn't have a team per se that's interested, but there's starting to be some rumblings around with him. He plays for Danubio, and, and, and for those of you that aren't familiar with Danubio, it's one of the Uruguayan clubs, maybe not one of the biggest Uruguayan clubs, but it's been one of the most predominantly effective and uh, very productive in terms of their youth system, arguably one of the best mm-hmm. youth systems in South America, maybe the past 20, 25, 30 years. Uh, Jose Maria Jimenez came out of there of course central defender for Atletico Madrid Edinson Cavani came out of there you can name a lot of players that came out of Danubio but this one's interesting because he is the youngest player to ever debut for Danubio at 16 years of age Juan Magutierrez is one of those young players that has a great deal of potential they are looking at him very highly he's 18 now he is already a bit more grizzled and, and keep in mind that in these South American leagues these types of players, the experience that they gain from the mental toughness aspect does offer that, especially in a country like Uruguay, where you end up having that grizzled nature at 16, 17 years of age. Yeah. So when you do go to Europe, maybe some things won't affect you as much compared to some of the other South American players. So it's very key to look at his de- development. And within the next year or two, when you start looking at him, finally breaking into the Danubio starting 11 on a more consistent basis, you're going to start seeing him become a player that has a great deal of potential. Not only that, a name that will be talked about in upcoming under-20 World Cups, and more importantly, a name that will be coming out of many scouts in Europe. Let me ask you a couple of quick-fire questions on it. So, uh, sure, sure, sure. Who would you most compare him with? Um... It compared him to he has his a bit more like Gargano. He does have a, a bit of skill like Darascaeta. He has a bit of that uh, typical, as prototypical, if you will, Uruguayan type of skill, but also grittiness. So you have those types of of of, of qualities in terms of that. But what I've liked more the few times I've seen him 
it's been his decision-making process that I've really liked. In terms of him, one, you mentioned the fact that there's not a lot of teams showing concrete interest at the moment, but in your opinion, which league would he be most suited to if he was to make a move? Uh, I mean, when you look at these young players from Uruguay, a lot of them, the first country that is always in the within shouting distance of them is Italy. And Serie A has always been one of those places where they end up. If not, it would end up being a team over in Spain. Those are the two that predominantly end up having these types of players come through. But and I tend to be wary when I talk about hyping some of these players mm -hmm. too much. Yeah. It's the fact that you have to start to see when something as extreme as what we're going through right now how is that going to affect them? And, and th that's the same answer I'll give for each and every one of these players. Maybe for except the, when we start getting to the top three or four, how are they going to come back from such a layoff? How are they going to be, maybe the, the development uh, kind of might delay them a little bit, might retard their growth a little bit in terms of, of, of how they grow as a professional. But overall, you start looking at a league like Spain, a league like Italy, those would be the first two that I start looking at based on his skill set. Um, quick question, quick answer. How much do you think it would cost him? Do we know if he has a release clause? Uh, no, not yet. No, that, that really hasn't been talked about too much. Uh, release clause, that can always be negotiable as, as far as numbers are concerned, especially with the economics and the economics now of South yeah. American football. When you start to see teams in Europe already struggling in, in terms of economics. Imagine how things are in South America. So yeah. if there is some sort of release clause, eventually that I think that'll all be, that'll be very easy to negotiate. We've seen a couple of Uruguayan players not going to Europe necessarily, but going to places like Mexico, case of Federico Viñas, where their release clause was mm -hmm. less than a million dollars. So I think that's very accessible, very economic, and also worthy of a risk towards a long-term project. Gutierrez in at number 10 then one. Who's number nine? Number nine, number nine. You see, I didn't put them in, in numerical order. I was going to start just throwing the names out. Um, for me, there's another young player, Jeronimo Porto. He was just a couple of seasons, actually until the month of January, he was playing in a second division side in Argentina in San Telmo. San Lorenzo buys him, and he's become one of the key prospects for San Lorenzo in Argentina. And many look at him as a very interesting prospect. Many look at him as a player that can play in the midfield, very polyfunctional. He can play over on the right. He can play in the middle. He likes to play as a number 10 a lot. He can also play as a number seven quite a bit. Again, decision-making processes. But when you start looking at his videos, one thing that really impressed me is that when you start seeing players of his age, 17, 18 years of age, there's a propensity for those types of players to dribble, pass, and just kind of stop. No, with, with Porto, what you've seen is not only the ability to pass and find the open man, is the ability to do all that, but keep moving around. So when the ball starts coming and, and circulating around the middle of the pitch, he starts to always find himself in a position where the ball always comes from. He's that player that can manufacture in the middle. He's the one that consistently gives a great deal of work to defenders if they're not rotating or moving properly, where he always finds the open space, he always finds the open man, he always makes the right decision. Maybe not the fastest, maybe not the most pacey or size-worthy type of player, but he's a player that consistently gives movement to the ball 
through his own movement and, of course, through moving the ball quickly and deciding very quickly with the ball at his feet. Um, you may have already answered this, but what league do you think he's most suited to? Spain. Spain oh. because of his size, because of his technical skills. Sounds, sounds great, one. Who's up next? Number... Let me see, let me see, let me see. Let me see. I'm going to go with Ivan Franco of Libertad. Player that's always already been on the radar in terms of PSG. Uh, young Paraguayan player that plays for Libertad. Uh, if you look at him physically, you'll start looking at David Luiz, but uh, David Luiz with, <laughs> can, can actually stop mm -hmm. the ball on one touch uh, and is also not as rustic a player as, as the Brazilian defender. Doesn't play as a defender, plays more as a midfielder, but can really move. Uh, you can make it more like a Gwendo Z of Arsenal type mm -hmm. of look and type of move and type of uh, fluidity that he does have in the middle. I would be interested to see if he does end up at PSG. It would be kind of an interesting prospect for them. And, well, the question is, will he stay at PSG? That's the next question you might ask. That I don't know. But he is a good project. He does have a lot of potential for the future. One of those Paraguayan players that you're starting to see, this new breed of Paraguayan player that is very skillful, that is very good with the ball at his feet, that is very capable of, of creating deep passes, short passes, uh, good associations in the middle. So you start to see Ivan Franco, and that, that's, that's a play you start looking at really interesting. Uh, how much does he cost? Any team to an interest? And what league would he most likely go to? Oh, well, well, like I said, PSG has been the one that's been on the radar as, as much. So, so most likely he'll end up there. Okay. Numero seven. Sorry, Matt. I'm going to jump Numero seven. <laughs> um, Gonzalo Napoli of Defensor Sporting. Many have talked about what he can do in the midfield. Um, uh, Nico Lodeiro has been a name mm. that has been popped up. You start looking at those types of players. Uh, again, to me, I, I think he's one of those players that can go into a Premier League type situation, but mm. more middle of the table type of, of, of uh, promise. Again, we have to see how he develops. We have to see how he starts uh, taking this next leap forward at, at 17, 18 years of age. Those types of players at this stage, either they start to take off truly and you start to see a great deal of, of, of potential. You have to start seeing how he does also get involved with the Uruguayan national team project and how he starts playing at the under-20 levels. I think that you start looking at him at a Premier League, maybe, maybe, maybe somewhere middle, middle of the table, upper Europa League type um, city outside. He, what interests me about him, Juan, is the fact he's five foot ten, close to six feet. Do you think he's got the physicality to cope with the Premier League? I am. I mean, Uruguayan players do have that. That yeah. I mean, and I talk about it, you know, as far as their size is concerned, but it's also their grit. Those types of players do have the ability to do so. It's going to be how he's able to play with the speed of the Premier League, the one that, that's going to be the big question. Not only the speed, but also speed and precision. That's something that we also have to look at. It's not always how fast you run. It's yeah. how much control you have in a certain amount of speed that can make the difference between you being in a Premier League side or not. And you know, one of the best cases that we've seen that doesn't fit that mold of size and being an incredible player has been Lucas Torreira of Arsenal. He's been yeah. able to handle his own. So, I mean, I, I think... When, when you say the, the, the physical type of player, he ends up breaking that mold, but you also have a certain kind of intensity you have to bring forth as well. Count. Who's up next? What are Who's we, number, up number next? Five? What are we, number five or six? Sorry. You're, these two are school teachers. You should know. What are we, five? <laughs> number five. 
what? We're only allowed to go. They only tell us to count up to five to be a teacher. <laughs> we're no, we're, you were number on. five. Who's up number five? One. Number five, number five, number five, number five, number five is I'm going to go with Facundo Pelistri. Okay. Why? Because Facundo Pelistri is on the radar of both Atletico Madrid and Real Madrid. Has been one of the big promises for Peñarol in Uruguay. Again, Uruguay, Uruguay, Brazil, Argentina. I do have a Colombian in the mix and I do have an Ecuadorian but that's still left to go. But Felisti has shown some good power. He's shown some good strength. He's shown very good presence in the area. And I think that's one of the things that a team like Real Madrid might want to be looking at in the long term. I don't know if he's going to be able to contribute immediately. And I don't know if Real Madrid will allow him to do so. Maybe sometime at Real Madrid Castilla will help out. Maybe under the tutelage of Diego Simeone, under the tutelage, I'm not saying necessarily playing, he could be a big factor as well. But again, these young players, it's hit or miss. We'll see if they're able to get there. Number four. And who would you compare him to? Oh, sorry. Go ahead. Uh, who would I compare him to? Maybe a young Cavani. Maybe a young Cavani. Young. Back, back I'm talking about in the Danubio days. That's what I'm talking about, Cavani. Not the Palermo days. Um, number no, four, no, one. That's, that's too old. Let's, 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 stay, let's, stay, let's not hype him up too much just yet. Mm. You know? Who's number four? Uh, number four, Fernando Ovelar. And why do I mention Fernando Ovelar? He's been part of the um, Paraguayan youth system. He plays over at Cerro Porteño. He's 16 years of age. He's, and many of you probably might know him already. He scored his first goal at 14 years of age. He scored in the Paraguayan Clásico at 14 years of age. So you, you see him, he's just... If I, I see the I see the face you're making. It's just like Freddie, do all over. Well, but but I mean, he did it, he did it against you know one of the big rivalries. Now he doesn't have 14. the hype of Eddie Adu or Freddie Adu, excuse me. He doesn't have all the hoopla that Freddie Adu has had. But he's been consistently wanting to work. He's talked about, hey, look, my goal is to be able to go to a Premier League site, preferably Newcastle. I wonder why with the Miguel Almiron. Mm connection yeah but you see him doing the opposite of freddie Adu, which is saying i have to work on this i have to improve on this i have to continue doing what i'm doing his work ethic has been talked about throughout the paraguayan press is very impressive compared to a deuce who wasn't <laughs> yeah I, i'm still getting with terms of 14 and 14 i was stuffing crusty socks under the bed that's just unbelievable <laughs> yeah, well, I, I, I would I would have been saying something else, but yeah, that stuffing crusty socks under the bed was was probably another thing I was doing amongst many other things. Anyways, why is this uh, why is this sock all hard and crusty? No idea, man. <laughs> but again, his aspirations are that, and at 16 years of age, he does have a good platform to be able to do that, and and Incredible. we'll see. I mean, again, it's one of these one of these types of things that. You know, they're, 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 they're in the works. Okay. Number three. Number three. Number three. Now we're in the podium. At number yeah. three, Johan Mina. <laughs> of course, he's with Emelec. He's had great Ooh. success at the youth level, was part of the Ecuadorian side that went to the semifinals of the Under-20 World Cup. Uh, he's, I think he's just a couple of steps away. Yesterday, they were talking about him just being on the cusp of signing with Werder Bremen. Mm -hmm. So, again, a, a young player that – with the Ecuadorian side, you start looking at a Jefferson Montero. You start looking at those types of players that have a great deal of skill, that have a great deal of pace, that have that ability to create offensively. That's what Mina can offer you. So to me, that's one of the big, big 
prospects that I can start looking at in terms of, of uh, South American football. You mentioned the fact he's linked with Bremen. He was a standout performer at the Under-17 South American <laughs> Championships. Do you yes. think going to a club like Bremen where he can get into the team and start playing games and getting more experience in European football is, is, is a good move compared to the likes of Barcelona who have been previously linked with him? I think Bremen's a better move, to be honest with you, um, because yeah. of that, because exactly of that, because he's going to get more playing time, because he's going to have a coaching staff that can instruct him a little bit better. Yes, at Barcelona, what you can do is, is have the potential to yeah, maybe play a Copa del Rey match, and you do end up playing within a system or playing within a group of players that will let you understand what you need to do in order to play at the highest possible level. But at the same time, you need the playing time in game situations and you're going to have great competition as well. If you start looking at what the Bundesliga does have to offer and you're finding yourself in a position where you do find a Werder Bremen, you do find those types of clubs where they're willing and able to guide younger players. Are, are they looking to fight for positions in, in European cup spots? Yeah, they are, but they're looking to do it with younger players in mind and to be able to develop them. And maybe why not try and sell them for even more. Which is something that, by the way, South American sides like even more than just selling them straight out. Because especially if yeah. you buy them at, at 17, 18, 19 years of age and you sell them before they're 23, they end up also getting a piece of that sale as well. Right. And I think you'll see a lot more of that with clubs selling cheap with a lot of add-ons because of this market. Mm -hmm. I'm starting to yeah. get nervous because I'm afraid you're going to leave out one of my favorite guys. But now that we're down to number two, well, who's number two? One. Number two is Adolfo Gaich of Argentina. He plays mm. for San Lorenzo powerhouse of a player uh you know I, I, when i was reading a little bit on him many compare him to to erling holland i don't think so mm. holland is a bit more mobile holland has a bit more pace i do think though that geich has more power i think geich is able to finish on par if you could say with a holland now the work rate that he has compared to Holland, I think it, that's, that's not a good comparison. Holland's the freak of nature in terms of that. But Geich is a player that you, you, you've heard him in terms of Italy. Oh, actually, just today, Inter Milan started talking about Alerfo Geich being an, a possible option to bring in if Lautaro Martinez does end up going, in fact, to Barcelona. So you start seeing what type of player he's looked at. A player with size. And in terms of Argentina, how would I compare him to? If he had size, he'd be like a Martin Palermo type size player. Uh, with he's not going to miss three penalties. He's not going to miss three penalties in the no, game. He, he? He, no, he, oh, he'll, probably, he'll probably miss two <laughs> or something like that. He missed one. Per guy, he's famous but, for but missing then, three penalties in one game. Sorry, Juan, go ahead. But also Diego Milito in, in oh, terms of, of what he's able to do uh, does have the entire toolbox in terms of finishing. Can finish with his right, can finish with his left, can finish in the air, can go one on one. And, and he's shown it at San Lorenzo, 28 matches, eight goals, you know, throughout his short career. And has been a very influential part of the Argentine youth system, especially in the last under-20 World Cup. Another thing that interests me about him, Juan, he's made his debut for Argentina. Does that suggest he would cost more than some of the other names we've mentioned so far? His price tag is pretty big, to be quite honest with you, Kamala. I think that, yeah, he will be a hefty price to pay. Again, negotiable based on how things are going right now. But if you look at the perspective of, of, of a player of his ilk, a player, it's not, you're not, it's not very often you're going to see a player come at, come in at, your, at the European level 
at this price tag. So I think it's more of an investment. He's a player that will not only, compared to some of these players, and, and I had to break the mold a little bit because he's 21 years old. I was trying to keep it at 20 and younger, but I, I could not leave him out. And uh, if you look at it from that perspective, all of the players that I've mentioned before, I'm not sure if they're going to have an immediate impact at whatever club they go to because of their youth, their inexperience, or their need to get a little less greener. Adolfo Gaich is not that player. He's older than everybody else, and he can make potentially an immediate impact at a European club. Finally, number one, one. Uh, number one is, is when the player that everybody is looking at, the player that everyone is anxious to see when he's going, not where he's going, is Thiago Almada. Yes. And, and Thiago Almada has been around for about three or four years. He, yes. He's been a household name in terms of Vélez Sarsfield. And what I like about him... Tell me what I want to hear, baby. His, his poise. <laughs> well, he's going we to Manchester United. And you tell me, tell me. <laughs> lie to me and tell me he's going to Manchester United. Just whisper sweet nothing into my ear. Well, they've talked, about, they've talked about United. They've talked about City. So, uh, if, if, and if, in terms of United, if there's a person that prepared him for Manchester United, I, I think that you find a very good person to, to prepare him in, in, in Gabriel Heinze. Yeah. As a player, tend to be a little bit on the rustic side, but to be honest with you, as a coach, completely different. If you see a Velasco side that was coached by Gabriel Heinze, just a player, even the Argentinos junior side that he was coaching before that, a team that had good flow, a team that moved the ball around well, that had a good philosophy. And I remember Phil talking, he said, you know what? I would not be surprised if in the future, I'm talking about five, ten years from now, mm -hmm. I see a Gabriel Heinze being considered for a coach at Manchester United. I would not be surprised at one bit if that does end up being the case because I see him from a football mind perspective He's a coach that's no nonsense. Mm -hmm. He's a coach that tells you directly what the footballing identity is going to be at the club. And he tells players exactly what he wants. And if you, you're not going to be that type of player, goodbye, you're gone. And it's good football. It's, it's aesthetically pleasing football that he does play as well. At United, you know that the club loves exciting wingers, exciting midfield mm -hmm. players. There's been speculation that he's got a release clause. Um, if he didn't have a release clause, how much would he potentially be worth? There's been estimates about anywhere between. I've I've seen everything from 10 to 15 to 20 to 25. Mm -hmm. Again, keep in mind that when you're dealing with the Argentine league, uh, that's a league that many people in South America want to go to to make that jump to Europe mm -hmm. because of the marketing that they're able to do. I mean, it, it has been going on for the past 20, 25 years, 30 years, 40 years, if you really want to throw it to that perspective. Uh, Tiago Almada is that type of player. He does have a lot of teams that have been bidding for him, both in Europe and in South America. Boca, Boca Juniors was looking to, to pay a good amount for him, but, of course, not enough for Velasarfield standards because he, they know that they can get a lot more for him. But, of course, you've seen a very wide range of estimates in terms of what Diago Almada may cost. And to be honest with you, he could be a good buy for a team that ends up getting them because, like I said about Adolfo Gaich, Thiago Almada could be one of those contributors yeah. that can offer an immediate impact. To what degree, I don't know. But he is a player that can offer you a great deal of potential in the medium to long term. Before you go on, I want to, I want to just pick yeah. up on your, your comments about uh, Gary Lindsay. It sounds like you're describing to me another uh, Simeone. Is that very similar to the mold with Heinze looks like he's going to be, end up being look like? 
in ter- I mean, in ter- you, you know, you know rather well how his personality was as a player. Yeah. That hasn't changed. Um, stylistically, it's completely different to Diego Simeone. It's more, you know, Simeone, of course, um, very pragmatic, mm-hmm. overly pragmatic and leaning towards the defensive side, if I may add. Mm-hmm. Uh, Heinz is not like that. Now, if he ends up going back to Europe, there were rumors about him maybe when Andres Villas-Boas was uh, rumored to be leaving uh, Olympique Marseille that Gabriel Heinz would be one of, those play- one of those coaches considered to replace him. Of course, uh, Villas-Boas does uh, re-sign with him. What is going to happen? Uh, I mean, I, I, I see a, a coach that's more offensive-minded, that wants to have the ball move around a little more, that, that allows players to express themselves a bit more, but also if there's a cholismo, if there's a Simeone-like aspect of it, he wants to sell his players on that theory, and I think that's that's where you do see that similarity, that and that personality. But outside of football, football styles, they're completely different. Something I want to pick up on, Juan, and um, we've not talked about yet. When you look at the MLS and you look at Amaron, you look at Joseph Martinez, you look at mm-hmm. Ezekiel Barco coming through. Do you think any of these young prospects could benefit from some time in the MLS? Could MLS clubs afford them? And would, would they consider a move to the MLS? Could they consider? Yeah, sure. I mean, yeah, they, they see what, I mean, in South America, everyone's, uh, everyone's seen what some of these players have done in Major League Soccer. They've seen what a Diego Rossi's done. They see what a Brian Rodriguez has done. They've seen, as you mentioned, the Almirons and the Rodriguez and the Piti Martinez and uh, the Joseph Martinez and all, all these types of players. And, well, Medina over at NYCFC as well. It is a market that has become very open to those types of opportunities. They're selling themselves now as that trampoline league to head to Europe. I'm not so sure because MLS is going to try and overprice them a bit more so they can gain some money, so they can gain a profit out of buying these types of players. But... To me, it's it's not it's not something out of the realm of possibilities. Looking at, at MLS as a possible stopping ground for or a place to stop, or maybe even to establish himself in a very positive manner to play. My opinion that that's not a bad option at all. Even Mexico too. One last question. Um, I want to ask yeah. you about a couple of players that are already in Europe, and uh, it seems to be that Real Madrid and their academy, their Castilla, have looked mm-hmm. in South America to pick up some fantastic young talents, mm-hmm. notably Rodrigo. Of course, we've got uh, Vinicius, we've got Rainier, and, and, and one player that I really, really love is Federico Valverde. Um, tell me, how do you rate those young players? Are they, because Rodrigo and, and Valverde, those young players are sensational, and of course, we've seen Vinicius Jr. already in the, in the, in the first mm-hmm. team for Real Madrid. How good are these young players? Oh, no, no. Val, let's start with Valverde first. Valverde mm-hmm. has become the engine of Real Madrid, if you will. And I know many are saying, oh, what are you talking about? He has. Brilliant young player. You see yeah. how Real Madrid has played with him and without him? He offers such, I don't know, such balance to that team. He offers a lot of composure. And what is he, 19, 18 years of age yeah. at Real Madrid and, and, and a midfielder? I, haven't, I don't think I've seen a midfielder that young at Real Madrid handle himself like such a pro. I, I have not. I mean, I, I might be forgetting of a player that, that's coming that young to be able to come in. Maybe Guti is the last one that came in that young or even a little bit older than that. Um, the other players, Renier and um, Vinicius. Rodrigo. I mean, uh, yeah, and Rodrigo. You start looking at, or let's look, look at Renier and, and, and um, 
and uh, Vinicius Jr. I mean, they, they mm. left over, I think, something like 90 million euros to Flamengo's coffers to go over to Europe. I mean, that, that shows you the power of Brazilian football, the power of Argentine football, to put players that really barely played in the first division and have such a hefty price tag and European squads say, here, shut up, take my money. So you start looking at it from that perspective and you know that, that there's a great deal of talent. You know Vinicius Jr. can do a lot of things. He has to learn how to finish. Sure. You start looking at it and yet he does have the control. He does have a great smoothness to himself. I think that Real Madrid was smart to start looking at the youth, to start loading with younger players instead of going with the super-duper Galacticos and, and being able to look at the now and start looking at maybe a little bit later on down the road when you see in comparison of Barcelona that's looking very long in the tooth now, struggling to find those names, struggling to find those pieces, more importantly, to continue establishing a system of play. To me, you start to look at the individualistic side or the individual play of these two players. They're fantastic. The problem is, again, that last piece to their puzzle where they can become that elite type of player in two, three years' time. One absolute pleasure man we need to back to get back doing this every week we would love to have you sure, obviously yeah. you do your own content uh on btp you have to check it out it's bilingual both spanish and english on yeah. the btp website btpmedia.net you'll see lots lots more of one we'll see more on the youtube and um we're we're going to have a show here i'll talk to one here we'll get a show back every week because i know south american content is of great interest to our yeah. listeners and uh, I don't think there's anyone better out there at doing South American content <laughs> than my colleague here. So I'm, and I genuinely I, I, mean I, that. I, I see that. I see that the wire transfer went through. Yeah, no, I, I listen, you've been a part of BTP <laughs> for a long time and there's a very good reason for that. So, uh, uh, but yeah, it's going to be a good, good week this week, man. Uh, I'm really excited about what we got coming down the road. So absolutely. I don't know, I don't know if I'll tell, I don't know if I want to say it, but. You, you, I'll, I'll let you mention it later and, on. Uh, I've got a few wire transfers for Colombians, so we might have to be specific here. <laughs> <That's>, okay. <laughs> thank you so much, man. I, listen, right, man, we will care. we will put we will make an announcement on some of that other content. What uh, big big interview you've got coming up next week? I leave that to you yes, to announce, and we'll put it out when whenever you do so. So thank you so much, everyone, for joining us, and uh, we'll be back again with one next week.